Never forget, never forget uh, the day my, my first was born. I probably won't forget the day my second was born either, but uh, the, the first, you know, when, when my daughter was born, eight and a half years ago, December 8th, 2006, it was amazing. December 7th uh, was filled uh, with uh, emergency C-sections and trips to the late at night to the hospital, and, 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 and on December 8th, she was born. It was amazing. While mom was in recovery, I, I got to hold my daughter in, in my arms, and I just began to pray over her, and I, I still burned in my memory is what she looked like and what it felt like to hold for the first time my, my newborn child. It was amazing. It didn't take me two days to figure out. I wanted to be a great dad. I mean, I wanted to be a great dad. I wanted to do all the right things. And by great, I don't mean uh, like buy all the right toys for my kids, right? Uh, by great, I don't mean uh, come up with all the finances to give them everything they ever wanted. That's not what I mean by great. I don't mean great uh, by uh, somebody uh, giving me some sort of notoriety on a magazine cover. No, I wanted to be great. And, and what I mean by great is, is when my kids leave, when, when they're 18 years old, when they're 19 years old, when they're going out on their own, when they have their own jobs and they have their own families, when they come back, they love the Lord. They love Jesus, that they're people of godly character, that they want to love him and make him known, uh, that they long to give that message of Jesus to other people that don't know him yet. I want to be a great dad. And maybe, maybe this morning as we celebrate uh, Father's Day, Dad's Day, Maybe you can join me in that dream. Maybe you can join me in the dream of saying, we want to be great dads. But I also want you to know this morning, something I want you to hear is that great families make great dads, and great dads make great families. You see, Dad, this thing that we do, being a great dad, doesn't happen on its own. The question that we need to answer this morning, uh, that we need to engage in, is what is it that makes great dads? And so, moms, you're going to be involved in this. Kids, you better be listening because you're involved in this too. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, Paul begins to answer this question of what is it that makes great dads? You see, uh, he goes through uh, in all of Ephesians, he begins really in Ephesians 1 and 2 and he says, Hey, you all are chosen people. You've been identified with Christ. He's given his identifying mark to you in the Holy Spirit. And then he begins in chapter 4, at the very beginning, he gives this charge to all the people. And he says, hey, you need, if you have this identifying mark on your life, you need to live like you have the Holy Spirit. He says, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. In other words, live a life worthy of this Holy Spirit that's supposed to be living inside of you. And then he begins to just lay out one thing after another of what that looks like. And one of the things that he gets into is this household code. He said, hey, hey, if you are all Christians, 
Here's what it might look like to live under one roof as a Christian. Dads, this is for you. Moms, this is for you. Kids, employees, everybody, anybody that gathers under your roof, this is for you. And he begins to just lay out one thing after another, and he gives us special obligation in chapters 5 and 6 just to talk about who's in the house. And in verse 4 of chapter 6, he talks to dads. He says, Dads, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. How is it that dads become great? Well, part of, part of how dads become great is they have great moms. Moms, this is where you come in. You have a role to play in making your husband, making the father of your children great. You have a role to play. Notice what he says in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Wives... Moms, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as, the, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, I, I recognize in the 21st century uh, that we, re, we, we see words in the Bible like wives submit and we all cringe. I mean, automatically we think of movies like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and we go, no, that's not what we want. Uh, gals, can I just take a step back? Here's what I think Paul is getting at. You want great husbands and you want great fathers. If you want that to happen, great dads come with great wives who treat them like champions. Several years ago, uh, I remember hearing a story probably from a good friend of mine, David Haynes. He's probably preached up here before. I love David and he tells this story with such with such emphasis that it almost makes me cry each time I think about it. He says several years ago there was a, uh, this boxer, Rocky Marciano, uh, the only undefeated boxer ever, great champion. And someone asked his wife, someone asked his wife, what is, what is it like to be married to a boxer? And she said, I'm not married to a boxer. I'm married to a champion. Wives, moms, you want great dads in your home. You want to understand what it's like for a father to be great, uh, to train his children up in the Lord, to, uh, to make sure that when they come home, they love Jesus. You have a role to play. Treat your husbands. Treat the father of your children like a champion. And gang, that's, that's not popular. 21st century sitcoms like to make fun of dads. Dads are oftentimes the butt of all the jokes. But not in your home. Treat him like a champion. And allow your husband, allow the father of your children to be great. Great dads don't just come with great wives. Great dads come with great kids. Notice what Paul says. He's speaking to the kids. And, and, and if there's any, any kids, any, any uh, well, we're all kids. Kids still living in the home, how about? I want to talk to you. I, I want to address you the way Paul does. You see, he doesn't treat you like a little kid in this passage. I want you to understand that. 
Uh, he doesn't brush you aside. He treats you like the followers of Jesus that you are. If you're here and you're a kid and you're, you're, you're under the roof of your parents' home, then you need to hear this because Paul addresses you. Not as something to be cast aside. He addresses you as followers of Jesus. He says this, verse 1 through 3 in chapter 6, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it's right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Kids, I know, I have two kids of my own. You can be masters of, but that's not exactly what you said, Dad. Uh, Dad, you said this. Uh, gang, kids, children, obey the intent. <laughs> obey the intent, not just the words. You know, it's going to go well with you. I mean, he gives this promise in this passage. You want to enjoy long life on the earth? It is going to go well with you if you honor and obey mom and dad. You want to see your dad do great things? Don't put him in a position where he has to make demands. Allow him to grow in the Lord and make corrections along the way. When you don't obey, you push dad into a corner. And you make him make demands upon you. Give him the opportunity to love you the way he needs to. You want a great dad? Be great kids. And obey. Now understand this. Honor doesn't always mean that you agree with whatever dad says. It really doesn't. It doesn't mean that you admit that you think dad is right every single time. What it does mean is that you obey him because you love the Lord. Because you recognize that part of your following Jesus is saying, Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to honor dad. I'm going to honor mom, and I'm going to obey them, even if I disagree. Gang, if you want great dads, you need to be great kids and you can do that. Great families make great dads. And great dads make great families. Great dads become great when they don't give their children opportunities to rebel. Notice what Paul says in verse six, the first portion of verse 4 in chapter 6. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. What does that mean? I brought this with me today. It's cute, isn't it? No, this is my daughter's hat. It's painful for me to look at it. One day we were in the car. She's eight years old. She's in the back seat doing what eight-year-olds do. She, she found a string on, on the in, inner lining of this hat. Can you guess what she did with it? She just started to pull it. 
She began to unravel every part of it until the, the inner lining just fell out. And I don't know if I was having a bad day or if I was just upset. And I yelled at her. And I didn't just yell at her. I mean, like, I got personal. Dads, one of the things that we can do as dads, because we know our kids, is, is we know those hot red, red buttons on our children's lives, and, and we can go, we can push it. And she unraveled, and I, I just, I laid into her. Lydia, that was a really nice hat. What do you think you were doing? She was upset already. And I was still upset. I wasn't working the problem. She walked into the house. I was still shaking my head, and I let her have it again. Way to go, I said. You ruined it. She started crying. And in that moment, actually, this verse came to my mind. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. What does it look like? Sometimes it looks like a straw hat in a car. Sometimes it looks like excessive discipline. Sometimes it looks like public humiliation that's given to your child that they didn't deserve. Sometimes it's, it's you living under the philosophy of do as I say but not as I do. It's giving your children an opportunity to be angry with you and in so doing, not obey Jesus. How many times have there been people who, they come into adulthood, they leave the church, and as you dig into their past, you find that their dad and their mom used to go to church, and it's because of dad's harsh words that they, they think they could never be a part of the church because because, well, Dad didn't live the way he say, said he believed. Dads, don't exasperate your children. It's going to lead to deeply rooted resentment. And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, recognize that, that when we provoke our children to anger, Paul says, you give the devil the foothold. Dad, don't give the devil a foothold in your home. Don't exasperate your children. I want to show you a little bit more of what this might look like. Uh, I, I'm kind of a Disney fan. Maybe you are too. Uh, uh, about a week ago, I, I had the opportunity to go and see a, th a theatrical play of Mary Poppins. I remember watching this play or this movie as a kid and, 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 and thinking, wow, this was really fun. Wouldn't it be great to have a person like Mary Poppins in your life? And then I remember watching it as a father and going, wow, I missed something. Dad, you want to see what exasperation looks like? Take a look at this. Dust everything. I'm very sorry about what we did today. I should certainly think so. It was wrong to run away from Case Nana. It was indeed. And we do so want to get on with the new nanny. Very sensible. I shall be glad to have your help in the matter. We thought you would, 
That's why we wrote this advertisement. Advertisement for what? For the new nanny. You wrote an advert... George, I think we should listen. You said you wanted our help. But I... Go very well. Wanted a nanny for two adorable children. Adorable? Well, that's debatable, I must say. If you want this choice position, have a cheery disposition. Jane, I don't... Rosy cheeks, no warts. That's the part I put in. Play games, all sorts. You must be kind, you must be witty. Very sweet and fairly pretty. What about the ridiculous... Take us on outings, give us treats. Sing songs, bring sweets. Never be cross or cruel. Never give us castor oil or glue. Love us as a son and daughter. And never smell of barley water. I put that in too. If you won't scold and dominate us, we will never give you cause to hate us. We won't hide your spectacles so you can't see. Put toads in your bed or pepper in your tea. Hurry, nanny, many thanks sincerely. Jane and Michael, thanks. Thank you, most interesting. And I think we've had quite enough of this nonsense. Please return to the nursery. Only trying to help. They're just children. I'm well aware they're just children, Winifred. I only congratulate myself that I decided to step in and take a hand. Play games, sing songs, give treats. Ridiculous. Dads, let me ask you. Are your children nonsense to you? Are they ridiculous? Don't exasperate your children. Dads, we have to win here. And so we have to receive the spanking that Paul gives us and be willing to change. Uh, last week, as I was mulling through, knowing that I was coming today and, and working on Father's Day and thinking of Ephesians 6, I said uh, to my eight-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Lydia, I say eight-and-a-half because if she were here this morning, she would say, Dad, I'm not just eight. I said, Lydia... Could you do me a huge favor? She said, sure, Dad. I said, would you, would you write a list for me? Three things you like about Dad and three things that I need to improve on. This is what she said I need to improve on. Dad, you need to work on not yelling so much. Ow. Number two. Dad, you need to pay more attention to family. I asked her, I said, what do you mean by that, Lydia? She said, well, you know, Dad, sometimes you're watching TV and not watching us. Number three. 
Dad, you need to take stuff more seriously. I said, you don't think I take stuff seriously, Lydia? She said, well, you know, Dad. I said, well, I don't really. Give me a for instance. Well, Dad, there's times when I want you to play Barbies and you're not really in the moment. <laughs> True story. Now, I have to tell you that all that was pretty hard to hear. But I need to know what exasperates my children so that I can lead them to love Jesus. Dads, what exasperates your children? Know it so that you can avoid it. Know it so that you can make the kind of changes that you need to, do, to make so that you can become a great dad. But this passage is even more than just a spanking from Paul. It's an encouragement from him. Notice the second side of verse 4. Notice what he says. He says, instead of exasperating your children, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Great dads are great when they lead their children to love Jesus. Train them up. I've mentioned several times this is Father's Day after all. Uh, Lydia, uh, she wants to run a triathlon. Uh, she's all geeked up. There's this kids triathlon uh, in Papillion and she's like, Dad, Dad, you need to sign me up for that. We need to train. You know why she wants to go and do a triathlon? Because her dad does. She sees me go out and run and get all sweaty and hot and get on the bike and, and go out and run, you know, ride for miles. And, and she sees me go into the pool and swim lap after lap after lap. You know why she wants to do that? Because she sees her dad doing it. Dads, what are you training your children for? What are you training your children to do? I shared with you a moment ago the things that I need to improve on as a father so that maybe I can make up some manner of self-respect with everybody in the room. Let me tell you some of the things that Lydia said she liked about her dad. I like daddy-daughter dates. I like that my daddy prays with me. I like that daddy does devotions with me. Dad, you want to be great? Lead your children to love Jesus. What does that mean? It means that you give them all of your time. It means that you have to be in the moment, even when they ask you to play with Barbies. You're in it. You're in the moment. My father-in-law, who I consider to be a wise man, wise and righteous man, once told me, Mike, they're only young once. Fathers, don't lose the opportunity. The next generation is coming along. Day after day, they're growing up, and we have to be ready. When I think of the next generation, the words that I keep hearing are words like authentic, words like genuine. Gang, uh, the next generation doesn't just want toys. 
They want people who love them and will, are willing to invest in them. And so you, you have this unbelievable role to be able to play, to be authentic and real, to be genuine in faith and allow them to grasp it too. You have to give them your time. Dad, you want to be great? You have to be intentional about how you model your faith. Let them see, taste, touch, hear, smell every part of your Christian life. Let them recognize the frustration that you have at work and how you deal with that as a, as a Christian man. Now, just recently, we were trying to make a big decision as a family, and, and uh, Lydia is a baptized believer, and, and uh, we pray together regularly, and I just said, Lydia, uh, we want you to pray about this. We didn't just cast her to the side. Uh, we said, Lydia, you're very much a part of this process. We want you to go to the Lord like we're going to the Lord, and, and we want you to pray about this. Will you be willing to do that? Now, she was just as afraid of the prayer that we were praying as we were, but she was willing to pray it. Invite them in with you wherever you go and whatever you're doing in the, in the Christian walk. Make sure that you invite them along in the process. Let them hear you pray, Dad. Not just that really quick prayer at the supper table. Make sure that they understand how to pray because they've heard you pray. Uh, make sure that they understand what reading Scripture is all about. Uh, you know what I do with my daughter once in a while? Uh, I go to uh, uh, the YouVersion Bible app. If you go there, it's super easy. It's an app on your phone. Uh, they have literally hundreds and maybe thousands, I don't know, of little two, three, four-day devotions that you can do with your kids. And so I bring that up on my phone, and oftentimes, you know who's, who's the one reminding me now to go and do the devotions? Lydia. She's saying, Dad, we need to do our devotion tonight. We need to do our devotion today, Dad. We didn't get that in today, Dad. And she's reading Scripture to me. Gang, it's not hard, but it has to be intentional. When your kids see you reading Scripture, they're going to want to read it. Ask them questions about the Bible. And be willing to have questions asked of you. And dads, this doesn't mean that you have to go to Bible college. It doesn't mean uh, that you have to go and get another degree. What it's going to do is it's going to push your faith a little further. Because there's going to be some questions asked. Uh, you know, for instance, right? I have been to Bible college a long time. I have two master's degrees. And my eight-year-old is oftentimes coming up with questions that I don't know the answers to. And I say all of that to say this, dads, sometimes you're not going to know the answer and that's okay. And the answer that you give to your child is, you know what, I have no idea. I don't know, but let's find out together. And you have an opportunity, an obligation, according to Paul, to give them that kind of instruction in the Lord. And Dads, you can do that. Come and see somebody. Dig into Scripture with your kids. Knowing the answer is not the issue. It's you showing them. Some members of our small group back in Omaha, uh, just recently, they took their 10 or 11-year-old. His name is Sam. And they went on a mission trip to Mexico, and they took Sam with them. 
Dad, you want to be intentional. Make sure that what you're doing involves your children. Take them on that mission trip to Mexico. Is it scary for you and for them? Absolutely. But it's an investment that you need to make. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, on this journey that you have with Jesus, teach your children intentionally to love Jesus and adopt faith. Be their coach and be their fan. You want to be great? Be their coach and be their fan. I know that sometimes uh, with your children, you're going to need to be that guide. You're going to need to give some healthy, loving instruction and correction. No, you can't go this way, but you can go that way. I'm going to provide the boundaries where you have freedom to make choices. Don't go this way, but go that way and then be their fan. I'm looking at Dave Carlson because I've been around Dave long enough now. Dave loves his kids. I've been around some of his kids, and you know what I know about his kids? They love Jesus. But other thing I know about Dave is when he talks about his kids, in particular when I have heard him talk about his boys, he says, I know about those boys that they're better men than me. And I think, whoa. For a father to hand out that kind of encouragement and praise is amazing. Dads, don't forget to say to your children, I'm proud of you. I'm with you. I'm beside you. You know, the language in this particular verse, in chapter 6, verse 4, when he's talking about giving instruction of the Lord, is, dads, when you do that, The Lord stands with you. He stands beside you. It might be scary, but you can do it because God's with you in it. You see, great dads are not perfect dads. Can I say that again? Great dads are not perfect dads. There is no such thing as a perfect dad. Moms, there's no such thing as a perfect dad. Kids, there's no such thing as a perfect dad. Dads, there's no such thing as a perfect dad. Great dads are not perfect dads. Great dads are godly dads. Great dads aren't perfect, but they are godly. Great families make great dads. Great dads make great families. Let's pray. God, you're good to us. Thank you for your goodness. We love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.